This is Binod Shankar. You're listening to the Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA, and more. Now, you would think, why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical, practical issues. Number two, authentic. No bullshit. No sidestepping. The topics, guests, and questions are all from that perspective. And number three, take a chartered accountant, CFA charter holder, add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mix in 10 years of entrepreneurship, during a decade of full-time CFA training, add speaking, mentoring, cycling, and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the Real Finance Mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Welcome to episode number four. And my guest today is someone I've known since she was so high. Well, in CFA terms, I mean, yeah. Femina Khudani is a CFA charter holder with a BBA in finance from Georgia State University in the US. Femina works in a role which many CFA candidates aspire to as a portfolio manager with the National Investor, an Abu Dhabi-based investment management and advisory firm. She's in my CFA prep class from level one all the way through level three. Now, she's on the show because along the way to get in the charter and her dream job, she's faced and dealt with lots of challenges, challenges that would have defeated someone with less ambition and determination. I mean, from going to a distant land alone, to struggling to enter finance, to juggling work, family and studies as a working mom, to facing failure multiple times along the CFA journey, she's seen it all. So I want you to hear her special story and get some insight and also be inspired. Femina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Binod. It's my pleasure and honor to be here with you. Thank you. Now, just before the show started, you said that actually you were in the US before you came to Dubai, before you came to the UAE. Yes. So I'm curious, what took what I'm assuming you were at a very young age, then a young girl to go from <laughs> India yeah. to the US for studies. So tell me about it. Yeah, exactly. If you had asked me when I was graduating if I would ever move to Dubai, I'd be like, what Dubai? Where is Dubai? But such, such is life. Life is full of ex- uh, surprises. So when I was 18, I went to U.S. Um, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to study. And I had only one condition with my dad to just buy me one-way ticket and I will take care of the rest. And that's how my journey to in U.S. started to pursue my bachelor's. And I sponsored it all by myself by working on ad hoc jobs, um, manning a jewelry cart, to check cashing, doing ch- uh, being a teller at the check cashing store, um, working full time as well as studying full time and trying to keep my grades up so that I still get the waivers, uh, foreign student waivers. Mm, so mm. I started off in a community college. I got a diploma from there and then I moved into GSU, which was the reasonable version to get a bachelor's there. That's quite tough. I mean, uh, a, a girl, young girl, far away from home, from parents, from family, you're in the U.S., you have to make money to sort of make ends meet, and you have to keep your grades high, and you have to get your waivers and all those things, right? So I'm very curious, what really kept you motivated and going? I mean, what was the reason? I just knew that I wanted to be independent. Um, while growing up, my mom always told us that you need to stand on your own feet. Hmm. And I think that st- sort of stuck to me. And I just just I just didn't know any other way. And I always felt like failure was never an option. I had to keep going. And you know, sometimes, uh, you know, there's a saying from Rumi, as you start to walk out 
on the way, the way appears. Yeah. And I think you posted this just yeah, recently, recently yeah, and it yeah. resonates with me so well. And that is exactly what happened. I just kept going and the way kept appearing. Like until I did my diploma, I did not know what my bachelor's was going to be in. But the moment I started my first semester at GSU in my finance class, the very first finance class was about CAPM. Mm. And oh my God, I'm like, I understand. I love this world. I just want to be able to manage people's money. That's all I want to do. I don't want to do anything else. The first time I'm hearing anyone being turned on by capital <laughs> <laughs> or a beat. Well, that's that me. Yes, yes. I was, I was very enthusiastic about finance. So I'm going to stop you there before. So why exactly did you decide to pursue finance or accounting and finance? Because you mentioned you were in the GSU class in finance. So why finance? Because I just, I, I was fast fascinated with this whole CAPM and Alpha and Beta and, you know, being able to manage people's money, making money off of money. How is right. that? Okay. You know? That's cool. I, I really felt that that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was just good at it. Mm. I got all A's and A pluses in my, from my derivatives class to my, all my finance classes. And I also, in a way, figured that, okay, fine, if I want to be in finance, I better be able to understand the financial statements. Right. And that's when I thought that, okay, I need to also understand accounting along with finance. Although, I think you mentioned to me at some point, you didn't really fall in love with accounting. No, accounting point. wasn't my favorite subject ever. Mm -hmm. Even today, like, I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of accounting. I always scored a B, never more than a B, I promise. So, so, so we are polar <laughs> opposites. I hate derivatives and you hate accounting. So anyway, that, that's the way the world is. Right. So yeah, right. I mean, absolutely. I think something I tell students in class and mentees is that, you know, you cannot ignore financial reporting analysis if you want to become a good equity analyst. Yes. I mean, accounting is the language of business and you've got to understand the grammar. Yeah. So how are you going to be good in finance, either financial management or asset management or portfolio management, if you don't understand the financial statements? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's the it's a fundamental. Like I never understood when my peers said that, oh, I'm taking finance, but I, I just don't like accounting. I don't understand accounting. I'm like, how do you how can you say that as a finance person, whether you're in private equity, asset management, equity, bonds, whatever, you have to look at the financial statements. That is the language of finance. So that's about the well, your graduation in accounting and finance. But what about the uh, days after that? I mean, in terms of, you mentioned the internship earlier on when we were, when we were over lunch. So tell me about the internship. Uh, tell me what happened. What do you learn? Uh, what are the challenges there? Plenty of challenges. Plenty, plenty. As I told you, I was a student. I was mm. completely broke. And mm. there were days when I had zero dollars in my account. And sometimes it would go to negative one and Wachovia Bank would charge me another $50 because it went to negative one. So I've seen those days. And in those days, I tell you this because I took an internship which was unpaid, but mm -hmm. it was with Citigroup right. Financial Advisors. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's where I learned that that's what I want to do when I retire. Right. I yeah. wanted to be a financial advisor for high net worth individuals. When I retire, I can see myself doing that, you know. Right, right. But it must have been, I mean, intimidating at times. Here you are working in the U.S., far from home again, you know, uh, in a new industry with new people, mostly not belong to the same gender or, or nationality or community. I mean, culture, culture. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So after my Citigroup internship, I got another internship with uh, um, uh, investment boutique firm in Atlanta. And... Um, I started off, and within one month, they ha gave me a full-time offer. 
but I still had the internship to finish for the f- next eight months. But uh, over there, I was, a, I was the only Indian, the only girl, the only Muslim working in the, uh, in the team with another 15 uh, white men as traders. So truly a minority, minority in a minority. Just <laughs> <laughs> a subset of a subset, yeah. right? So, I mean, it must have been very difficult. So how did you keep going there and how did you blend in with this, like you said, this very uh, culturally different team and, and succeed? How does it work? So I think a couple of things. Mm. So you have to work really, really hard because you have to prove yourself that you deserve the seat on the table. And I was, I loved my job. I just loved everything about I used to manage look into closed end funds then I didn't know anything about closed end funds because there was just one paragraph in uh, bachelor's uh, CFA uh, sorry finance book in uh, my GSU schooling and everything I learned was on the job and I just loved what I was doing and I I used to go in early so my senior used to come in at seven in the morning and just to get a head start I used to go in at six or six thirty Mm-hmm. And I just let my work speak for itself. So there was this one task, for example, I can give you where they told me to look into bonds, um, something to do with auction rate preferred securities back then when the whole financial debacle was happening. So I looked into that. I gave the notes to my uh, circulated internally, and they happened to publish it on the website. Okay. So I just let my work speak uh, for itself, and I was soon... Uh, put on the emerging managers list okay. within the firm. So, so interesting. So here you are at this stage, uh, 2009, 2010, I'm assuming, or that somewhere around there. You've done your graduation from GSU, you've interned, you've worked as a research associate, um, and now the next step, uh, logical <laughs> next step <laughs> in your mind was CFA. Yes, yes, so, because both my managing directors were CFA charter holders, and they both spoke really, really highly of it, and they were encouraging us to take it. But I know for a fact, some of my peers, they, they, a couple of them just went to the exam, the very first exam, level one, and they left it halfway, and they said, we're not doing this ever again to ourselves. So I know how difficult it was. So I'm going to come back to this whole <laughs> uh, easy exam part. <laughs> just three levels, right? How difficult can it be? Right. Level one, level two, level three, and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. But before, before that, I want to talk about your journey in asset management because looking at your career right from the you know intern, research associate, analyst, and now portfolio manager, there's a very, very clear focus, which honestly I rarely see among um, mentees and students. So CFA, yes, we'll talk about the journey separately, but how did you get into asset management? So, so the investment boutique firm I was working for was asset management as well. And when I moved here, so life, like I said, life is full of surprises. So I got married and we happened to move here to Dubai. Um, and uh, I moved here in 2009. So it was the time when everything was just going down. Um, and then I, I was trying to find a job here. I could not find any job. And then in 2010, an opportunity presented itself, Deloitte, uh, Deloitte Management Consulting. I got an offer with them. So my first job in Dubai was to build IT policies and procedures. Exciting stuff. For Etihad <laughs> Railways. Wow, okay. Yes, and wow. I had no clue what I was doing, to be right. honest. Hmm. So that was your first break, in other words, right? I mean, so, so what next? What, what was and the next step That's when I realized, because I worked on very different projects with Deloitte. So this is a good advantage you get with Deloitte, because you get to work with people from all around the world. And you work on very different projects, and you get different perspectives. And you learn a lot 
Um, and I did a couple of finance projects with them as well. I built the very first financial statements for Department of Transport here and Department of Economic Development. So here we are, you passed out as a graduate with a degree in accounting and finance, then you were working as an intern, then research associate, that's your entry into asset management, right? And then of course, you came to this part of the world. So tell me more about that. Yes, so this part of the world, there weren't many job opportunities when the mm -hmm. debacle happened. So I ended up taking a role in management consulting with Deloitte and did a lot of projects with the government. Um, but soon I realized that that was not my calling. I wanted to get back to asset management. So how did you, you know, you were lost in, in, in doing something else, consulting. So how did you find your way back to your passionate, the area you're passionate about, i.e. asset management? Tell me about that. Uh, so first of all, I was open to any role in asset management. I did not just stick to one role. And I was open to even going in as a middle office assistant. So uh, one opportunity came across to me in uh, middle office. I took that opportunity, but my condition was, and I had spoken to them earlier, that uh, this has to be a way to analyst, because mm. that's what I wanted to do later on. And they said yes. But three months into the job, I realized this was not going to take me there. And I had to decide, take a very difficult decision to quit Mm -hmm. and look for another opportunity. Because this was the big bank, if I remember correctly, yes, right? This, yes. this, this, the job you're talking about where you could not get the break into analysis. So yes. big job, decent pay, I'm assuming. Very good pay. Very good pay. Yeah. So the next uh, jump was to Next jump was again to um, another bank, but in asset management again. Again, because they were looking for middle office support, but they did promise me an analyst role. So it was 80% middle office and 20% analysis for the first six months of my job. And once they get someone else to support them, I would move on completely to analysts. And this is what I had agreed upon in the very beginning. And I, uh, I took a huge pay cut when I took this opportunity because they weren't willing to pay as mm. much as my previous opportunity. Mm. So I took like 40% pay cut. And at that time, I used to live in Abu Dhabi. And I used to drive down to Deira every single day for this opportunity. Two and a half hours of commute each way. Mm -hmm. And I did this mm -hmm. for nine months. So that's interesting because that's what I tell a lot of people who come to me. I say, you know what, at that age, that stage of your career, you've got to take risks. And money is not the most important thing, right? I mean, you've got to sort of take a pay cut. Uh, you've got to sort of uh, work the hours. Five hours of commute is a lot, but... I think finally you were heading towards what you wanted. That was the most important thing, right, for you? Yes, not the title, not the money, just the direction that I was heading in and what I was getting to learn every day. Yeah. I was not putting in 20 hours, I was putting in 40 hours of research and I was delivering as a research analyst. Mm -hmm. so, so now you're right now getting into analysis and, yes. and as an analyst, which is exactly what you wanted to do. But your ambition was, of course, further moving up, right? So yes. how do you work your way up from analyst to portfolio manager. My because dream this is, again, role. This is my what a lot, lot of people struggle with that, right? That was your, and that's what you're doing now as a portfolio manager. Right? Yeah, I'm living my dream. So how? Very few people can say that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I always wanted to be a portfolio manager. I still remember the, my very first class in GSU. I saw myself as managing people's money, and that's exactly who I am today. Um, and... Uh, from analyst to portfolio manager was a very, very long journey and very difficult, but it was a lot of fun. When I was brand new to this part of the world, like in the US, I would understand because I'd already worked there, mm -hmm. but the dynamics here would be different mm -hmm. for GCC. So I had to relearn everything. 
So as and when I was going in and learning about equity valuations and GCC markets, the backgrounds of the companies, I used to bother my peers and my manager and bother them at lunch, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, pick their brains after work, ask them as many questions as you can think of to get all the answers, to learn from them. And I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I delivered. I started delivering investment ideas. And I used to do a mock portfolio on my Bloomberg terminal myself mm -hmm. and see how I'm performing against my peers and up fund. Almost like paper trading kind of thing, right? Yes, As in simulated yes, portfolio yes, or yes, yeah, things yes. like that. And then mm. I think two years into my job, I was given um, portfolios to manage. Okay. Yeah. That's effectively when you became yeah. a portfolio manager. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Like the dream job for most CFA students, right? They want to get their analyst role, yes, but where is it heading to? And what should they do? Very importantly, what should they do to get there? But what it did was basically that the pay cut, that the shift in cities, the shift of jobs, yeah, going basically going out of your way, yeah, uh, than what the job requires. I think the key here is to be to have that learner attitude, the enthusiasm mm. towards work. Like that's what I keep telling my junior associates as well. That you need to be able to understand and have that enthusiasm towards what you're doing. If you're missing that, then you're missing the whole point. You and I also feel like with experience and mm. skills. Portfolio management is somewhat innate as well. You know, it comes So are you saying that people are born with it or not? Not, <laughs> not, not, no. I think you, you, you get, get that the, naturally yeah, once yeah. you have the, is, is the skills and the experience correct, under, correct. under your belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you understand the market dynamics. Yeah. Right. So now we're going to go back to a very, very important journey of yours, which basically we, we talked about, which is briefly, which is the, the, CF, the CFA journey. Because you had a fairly tough part journey during CFA, and I was there throughout, and I know a lot of it. I don't know all of it. So tell me, start from the beginning and omitting no details. Okay, I'll be <laughs> so as honest as I honest can. as as possible for people who are writing the exams. Yes. Level one, level two, level three. Yes. Starting from level one, how did it go? How easy or difficult was it? So my decision to take level one was when I was at man management consulting and uh, I was really missing finance back then. And I was like, okay, this is the way and I want to do CFA and I want to see those three letters after my name. I really wanted to see, that was my dream. And uh, I told myself, okay, I'm gonna do it. So, and that's when you came to Abu Dhabi to mm -hmm. pitch your uh, classes. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to my husband and he said, why don't you sign up? And mm -hmm. I did sign up. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that year, mm -hmm. <laughs> my grandmother passed away right. just before the exams, so I couldn't appear for the exam. And then next year, I told myself, look, I'm going to study, because I had done the classes with you anyways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had a good understanding, and it was all from bachelors. I felt like everything was just a recap from bachelors. So I took a month off on my vacation days from management consulting, and I took the exam and knocked it off. Okay next year. I don't want people to get the wrong impression that you can pass level one in one month study. No, so this is why I said, because I finished the classes the year before. Exactly, yes. So I did finish the classes the year before, and it it is quite difficult because the way they word it, hmm. I think it's more about, you know, understanding the wording, most likely, unlikely. Least all likely. That least likely, <laughs> exactly. That, that throws you off. So level one done. Yes. Now the next one which was level two, which a lot of people say is the toughest level, like a CFA exam, which I found not that tough. I found level three tougher, but that's my journey. So what was your level two journey like? And you, you mentioned to me that it was full of challenges. What kind of challenges that you faced? Okay, so level two was a completely different animal. 
<laughs> I what, wasn't in, expecting. In what sense exactly? In, in terms of valuations, the PE, the venture capital, the FRA was so much to study. Accounting, oh my God, so much accounting. Um, and a lot of practice. Yeah, exactly. You and I are complete opposites because I loved level three. I just loved level three, studying about level three. But level two was a completely different animal. And unfortunately for me at that time, I, I also had some family hardships. Uh, so I could not take the exam. I enrolled each year, I believe, after my level one, but I could not appear for the exam two years in a row. And the third year I studied and I did not pass. And then next year, I told myself I'm not going to take it. But then I was told from my place that I was working that I should take it. So, And I had my colleagues that were taking, so that sort of helped as well. And uh, we took it together, and I got through. So what is the principal difference between level 2 and level, uh, level 1? Give me three differences that you found, the key differences. Mm, I'm told volume is a big val issue. Volume, yeah. yeah. Accounting mm -hmm. was very, very difficult. Uh, valuations, the DCF, mm -hmm. um, mm. the venture cap, uh, I think PE alternatives, all that t takes a toll on you. Mm -hmm. like, I felt like level one was very basic, just mm -hmm. giving you a basic understanding of finance and accounting. Mm -hmm. But level two was very in-depth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell people level one is like foundation, you know, seriously. Yes. It's like... And if you don't, if you've gone through a good college with a good accounting and finance yes, course, level one should be very doable. Level two is like a big, huge jump between yeah. level one and level yes, two. Yes, right? yes. And the vignettes that you had to answer. The case studies, exactly. Yeah, case the format study. of the questions in level two is also very different, right? It's not the standalone multiple choice questions that you have in level one. Mm. Exactly. So level one done, level two done. So at this stage, you were like two-thirds CFA, although I should not use the word two-thirds CFA. It's quite unethical and probably <laughs> violation of the standards as well to use that. So next challenge was for level three. Yeah, but before that, let me just add one thing, what what my strategy for clearing level two was, because okay, it was so difficult. Mm. Do you remember I sent you an Excel sheet with 20 mock exams? Very vaguely, very vaguely. Yes, exactly. Mm. I did 20 mock exams, and I'm not kidding. I still have the Excel sheet. And I, I remember showing you the progression from starting from 50% to mm. 75% throughout the 20 exams. So this is this is how I passed the level two. Yeah, that must have given a lot of confidence, right? Yeah, because you start it. to see a pattern. You start to see questions, uh, you know, pattern that helps you. Right. Okay, so level one done, level two not done, right? The last, the final frontier, what I call the final frontier, level three. Tell me about level three. I loved level three. It was everything that I was actually doing at work. Finally, something that we agree on. <laughs> level three was the only level that I truly enjoyed in my CFA journey. But over to you. Sorry, go on. Okay. So I loved everything about level three, portfolio management. Uh, it was what I was doing actually. So, uh, I, I mean, that was like, I do this on a mm, daily basis. Mm, mm, so mm. I loved it. Challenges. Challenges would be the essay writing. Mm. Yeah. The essay writing was the only challenge, I think. And how did you crack that? Uh, by practicing a lot, lot practicing and doing as many mock exams as possible and answering all the questions. Writing, I must have written like another 20 papers for this exam as well and my poor husband had to correct all of them okay well that's the that's the obligation he's saddled with if he's married to a cfa <laughs> student right this is what people get right so okay so fantastic so you finally cleared the cfa level 3 exam that was in 2018 that was last last, last year, year yeah, 2018 yeah, yeah exactly 
Right. So I must ask you at this stage, although you have sort of hinted at it, right? What are the top three CFA challenges and how did you crack them? What are the top three that you sort of had to had to face and what, what how did you crack those challenges? I feel like um, first you need to tell yourself failure is not an option. So I saw this, I had gone to NASA in Houston to mm. see my friend and we ended up going to NASA and I saw this sticker there, failure is not an option. I, I believe that's their uh, motto so, so as it's, well. It's, it's from there they got the motto. I used to wonder where this <laughs> failure is not an option came from. Okay, yeah, interesting. So okay. I bought that sticker, bumper sticker, you know, it's very famous in the US. So I had that bumper sticker. I'm like, oh my God, I have this bumper sticker. I have to live by it. And that sort of just built into me. So th th I never quit. I, I just didn't see any other way other than having those three letters after my name. So that. And uh, I worked really, really hard. So it was, so I have no friends. Mm -hmm. Even now, after CFA, yes. you must have some friends. I'm having, right? no, I'm having very, very, very hard time. We must get you connected, maybe through some alumni network or something. I'm bribing right. my friends, but no luck. And uh, so you, you have to sacrifice quite a bit, but you also have to always keep your eyes on the prize. And you, ha you have to have that big picture in mind that yes, once I get through this, I will become the CFA charter holder and then that's what I wanna do. So I have to ask, was it worth all the effort? I mean. Yes, I'm living the dream. <laughs> Fantastic, well lucky you. Right? Yes, thank you. I love, I love uh, what I'm doing right now. So now, there's a question I always ask um, mentees and students of mine, right? Especially if they are uh, from the female gender. Because my understanding is that women have specific challenges that they face at work, studies, life, right? What were your challenges as a woman in career, um, studies, etc.? Okay, I have to mention this though. I studied in US. Mm -hmm. I, my first was in job, was job. My first job was in US, yeah. right? And. I was, I knew for a fact, and I learned from my colleague that I was the best paid uh, new joiner there. Mm -hmm. And my mm -hmm. colleagues were getting less money than me. Mm. And I was appreciated very properly there, uh, monetarily and the otherwise mm. as well. But here, this part of the world, oh my God, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. When I used to go for interviews, they would just look at my CV, my name, and they mm. would ask me weird questions like, are you Cindy? Mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> are you serious like you're asking me what my religion is and then like okay so you're married so uh are you going uh, so are you going to have babies anytime soon mm -hmm. i'm like how is that relevant right so mm -hmm. i can write a whole book mm -hmm. on just about interviews in the uae i've mm -hmm. been and i've never said no to an an, an opportunity to interview ever ever what are the challenges it's, it's true even today yeah. I mean, another challenge that I know you faced, for sure, is because uh, while the CFA journey was going on, uh, you delivered and you, you had a daughter as well. Yes. Now, that must have, of course, affected the whole exam taking yes. process, right? Yes, I was so determined because I had taken level two. I had passed level two and I was so determined to finish level three next year. But just, you know, life is full of surprises. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised that I was pregnant. Mm. And then my daughter was due just before my exam in Feb. So um, even then I told myself, because mm -hmm. when I went back home to US to deliver her, I took all my CFA books. You will not believe this, but my luggage was full of CFA books. And I was studying till the last day I delivered. But the moment I delivered, my life like sort of fell apart and there was no way I could gather my thoughts or anything. And right. I, I couldn't even appear for the exam. Right, fair. I understated so, it. I think. Uh, you, you understood the risk exactly yeah. of, of, uh, of uh, 
being a mother at that stage, right? So another question I have to ask you again, mentors and importance of a mentor in your career, specifically you know, in, in portfolio management. So tell me a few things about mentoring that you've experienced. Uh, what, are you, what, what is your view on mentorship and mentoring and has it worked for you and why? It has worked wonders for me. Um, I, I honestly believe that life is too short to do all your mistakes by yourself. You have to learn from others. And it's always good to have someone else's perspective, especially the person who has your best interest in mind, because that's what a mentor is for, right? It, to encourage you, to give you the confidence that you need. And to, to have someone to bounce ideas off of, mm. you know, because mm. you always, mm. you sometimes you just have this focused thinking where you're not able to think differently. And that's when the mentor comes into place. And the best part is they're free. Mm, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I always tell people, you know, try and find a mentor at work. Try and find a mentor at work if possible. Yeah. Or from your professor in college or someone who is able and willing to help you. And, but again, it's, it's tricky because what I find is the mentors have to believe in you as well, you know. Right. It, it's, I mean, I mentor. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Uh, I don't ment I mentor very few people, as you know. And I'm quite picky about that because you have to believe in that person that that person will listen to you and implement what you have told him or her and will become successful and will take the initiative and not wait for me to ask follow up on meeting etc etc so True. it's it's a it's a very interesting but i think much neglected part of someone's career you know no but i uh, and there's also studies done like the lean in uh, book um, by Cheryl Sandberg she mentions that uh, you know uh, th there's a high chance of you being successful if you have a mentor Right. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it's not just, by the way, in in um, career, but also in business. Yeah, business career, whatever. It's, it's, yeah. it's been absolutely. I've seen quite a few yeah. research studies. Yeah. So, how are you working on yourself now? Because right now there's no CFA in your life anymore. You know, all the studies is. By the way, do you miss the studies or the books? No, far from it. I I, I see a lot of people no. saying that they miss the classes and the I academia. I don't miss it. No, I have a life. Okay, moving I on. I missed that life for a long time. <laughs> So what is your life right, like right now? How are you working on yourself uh, these days? What's happening? Uh, so my mentor, which is you, was pushing me to write articles. <laughs> which you're, so, sl you're slowly doing. So I am, I am working on that. I am also working on um, taking care of my health. And I, I also read, I love to read. So I love to read self-development uh, books, mm -hmm. self read a lot of books like you keep posting I'm tempted to post as well but right. I don't post so, it so what are the good books but that I keep read sending recently? it to you yeah I've read a lot of books uh, recently I finished Michelle Obama Becoming Michelle Obama Lean In The Happiness Advantage Tara Westover's Educated and you learn so much from these mm. books I would highly every time I finish a book I send it across to my friends to just mm. push them to read mm. the same thing yeah absolutely yeah. I mean I've learned a lot reading books over the last many many years yeah. and I find books are the best friends and the best tutors sometimes yes I mean, you learn a lot which you cannot learn anywhere else they give you a completely different perspective on life it's it's, exactly. it's amazing and of course as you know I have, I'm obsessed with health and fitness so yes. <laughs> so you've all sort of after the exams sort of Tell me more about that. Yeah, I, I, I did work on my health. So mm, I did, mm. um, I got a personal trainer and I did start working out. I love mm. to swim. So I'm now taking a lot of time uh, for myself at the pool, okay. trying to go back to swimming. And hopefully I would take up golf. Okay. Wow. Why golf? I mean, uh, that's... I just want to see green pastures. 
which is very difficult to find here in <laughs> exactly. the desert. Yeah, so exactly. I don't mind. Of, of, of all places, right? Yeah, and it's a sport. It's, it's categorized as sport, so yeah, exactly. well, well, why not? Yeah. Well, to each his own is what I say. <laughs> to each his own. Fantastic. So, self-development, books, writing articles, uh, working out, fitness. And of course, I have to ask you, right, as well, at this stage, key lessons for life and career. And I'm, I'm asking from the perspective of someone who wants to be a CFH charter holder, wants to be in portfolio management, probably wants to have a career like yourself, you know, yeah. and, and learn from what, what you've done, including your mistakes and, and, and your lessons. So what do you think? I think the key thing that you need to know if you want to grow in your career is not to have the ego, to always be a learner, be flexible, be adaptable, because life will throw you in different directions and you need to be able to just keep moving forward. And uh, if, especially if you're starting off, you mm, need to have mm. that learning attitude. And that's what got me one of the asset management jobs here, you know, because I was so enthusiastic and I had this hunger to learn about the markets and I wanted to be good at what I did. And th that's the only thing that drove me. And I think that is the key thing I would look for even when I hire someone. The fire. The, the fire. fire, yeah. I don't want you to tell me, okay, I have CFA charter, so uh, I'm, 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 I'm mm. an analyst already. Mm. I want you to tell me that I don't know this and mm. I'm willing to learn. Mm. Mm. I'm willing to be mentored, for example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are the lessons, I mean, would you want to tell others about? Uh, the tough times. So when I was 13, actually, I read this book, Tough Times Never Last, But Tough People Do. Mm. And that sort of stuck with me for the rest of my life. Mm. And mm. I, I still remember the stories from that book. And I, I cannot agree more with this book. And mm. I've seen that in different phases in my life. And I could not uh, agree more. I mean, you're quite tough, aren't you? I mean, I, <laughs> I, until I got the script for the podcast, I never really realized how tough and what you've gone through, your personal journey. I mean, traveling from India to U.S. when you're young, working on odd jobs to make men's meet, working with a different culture with, with white men, etc. when you were young. Shifting to Dubai, working in middle office, then slowly and you know painfully trying to get into the, the the front office as an analyst role, and getting become portfolio manager, and then passing the CFA exam in the, during all this, and having a child and being a mother. I mean, so you've been there, you've done that. Anything else? Uh, any other words of wisdom you want to tell uh, about um, your journey? Yeah, choose the right partner in life who can encourage you every step of the way. Right. <laughs> It's a bit of a risky thing. Especially for women out there. <laughs> especially for women, exactly. I think uh, you're, you're right because uh, if you have a have family and you have kids, I think it's very important. I've heard, um, I wouldn't know personally, but I've yeah. heard from lots yeah. of students and mentees that you need to have that uh, supportive system at, at work, of course, and definitely at home as well. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. The last thing I would want to leave the listeners with is a saying from uh, MLK Jr., if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And this describes my CFA journey incomplete. Fantastic. I think we couldn't end the podcast in a better way. What a great quote and what an inspirational figure. Thank you so much, Femina, for Thank coming you, on Vinod, this podcast. For having me. It's been very inspirational, very insightful. And I'm sure we'll keep uh, interacting. And like I told you earlier, uh, my ambition, my dream is that you would you know, become a senior portfolio manager, a CIO, 
and maybe branch on to become you know bigger and better things in life and hope i'll see, be there to see that all that happen yes yes you'll be there you're not going anywhere i'll make sure you're not going anywhere thank you for having me binod thank you so much right guys so this is uh, binod shankar this is the real finance mentor podcast delivering insight and inspiration for your finance careers i hope you liked uh, this particular session with femina hudani she's a cfo charter holder and portfolio manager and vp working with tni in abu dhabi in the uae and she's been describing her journey from the beginning ever since she went to the US up till now when she's a portfolio manager and looking forward to better things in life if you have any feedback on this podcast please let me know on the email address on the website etc if you know of anyone else who you think can deliver insight and inspiration for finance careers also reach out to me i would love to interview such people and uh, basically record their their experience of life as well so that's pretty much it for now till then talk to you later bye This podcast was brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on therealfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binod Shankar CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on therealfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes, plus book reviews, upcoming events and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.